Let's jump right in. Acts chapter 1, verses 12 and following. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying. Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, the Simon and Simon the Zealot, and Judas the son of James. All these with one accord were devoting themselves to prayer together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the brothers. The company of persons was in all about 120. And he said, brothers, the scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke beforehand by the mouth of David concerning Judas, who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus. For he was numbered among us and was allotted his share in this ministry. Now this man acquired a field with the reward of his wickedness. And falling headlong, he burst open in the middle and all his bowels gushed out. And it became known to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem so that the field was called in their own language, Ekeldama. And this is field of blood. For it is written in the book of Psalm, may his camp become desolate and let there be no one to dwell in it and let another take his office. So one of the men who have accompanied us during all the time that Lord Jesus went out in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day when he was taken up from us, one of these men must become with us a witness of his resurrection. And they put forward two Joseph, called Barsabbas, who was also called Justice, and Matthias. And they prayed and said, You, Lord, who know the hearts of all, show which one of these two you have chosen to take the place in this ministry and apostleship from which Judas turned aside to go to his own place. And they cast lots for them. And the lot fell on Matthias, and he was numbered with the eleven apostles. I don't know about you, but it's kind of a boring passage. <laughs> I, I mean, think about this. Like, this is the book of Acts, right? And it starts off with this amazing, like, experience with Jesus, right? His final moments, his final words on earth before he ascends to heaven. I mean, there's this whole ascension scene. But then if you look at the rest of Acts as well, I mean, continue to follow along. I'm like, the next chapter, right? The Holy Spirit comes down in tongues of fire. I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff. Chapter 3, there's this amazing healings, and they continue, keep happening. There's, you know, I mean, Peter gets, you know, like, Paul, they get let out of jail. I mean, there's all this stuff healings are happening. People are getting, you know, demons driven out of them. I mean, there's so much going on in Acts. And then there's this boring section in chapter one. <laughs> like, it's just like he's going through some administration stuff. Like, oh yeah, and we got we had to appoint somebody else to be, you know, an apostle because, you know, Judas, he did his thing. And that's kind of PG-13, right, in there? I mean, a little bit like, whoa, I don't want to read that to the kids, right? But, uh, but you know what I'm saying? It's just kind of this, this boring thing. And so you go, okay, well, pastor, why are you preaching on it? Good question. Thank you. Why would I preach on a boring passage? Because <laughs> this passage actually, I think, I, I find in it a really important truth that I think we need to be aware of as we begin this, this journey, if you will, through the book of Acts. 
Uh, you know, because the reality is, I think we as human beings, uh, we're really good at second guessing God, right? I mean, even Judas, like, right? I mean, what are you doing, Jesus? Like, hello, you knew Judas what he's going to do, right? You knew it was in his heart, right? You know, why did you select Judas? Like, seriously, he's going to betray you. Like, I mean, all of the disciples probably recognized it, right? They're probably like, oh my gosh, this Judas guy is, he's just slimy, man. He is, there is not something, I mean, he's guy holding all the money, right? Oh man, there's something. The guy with the money, he's always doing something with the money. He's not supposed to be, right? Where's Jim? Where's Jim? No, Jim, you're amazing. Where are you? Oh yes, you're awesome. Yeah, so good. You are not a Judas at all. Anyway. So, right, you know, I mean, there's this reality that we, we tend to question God, right? We're like, I don't get it. Why did you choose Judas, right? And maybe we can, you know, after the fact, we can, okay, yeah, it makes sense, you know. And, and again, according to, you know, this was how things had to happen or whatever. But we do the same thing with Matthias. I mean, think about this. Like, Matthias, like, why? Why Matthias? Why not Persabas? Right? I mean, th- the crazy thing is, is, there is, we know nothing about these two guys, literally nothing except for their names. They are not mentioned in scripture anywhere else except for in this passage. And, you know, a lot of times, guys that don't get a lot of print in, in scripture, you'll find extra biblical, like historical evidence of the guy and what he did, right? Nothing on either one of these guys. Like literally, there is, no, we don't know who they are. We don't know what they did. We don't know why they were picked. So we asked, like, why? Why did you pick Matthias? Like, what is, why not Brasabas? What's going on? We have this, I mean, I think about, you know, uh, uh, Peter, right? I think we have this passage, yes, Matthew, I think it is, 16, right? It's on the screen, yeah. Uh, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. And Peter, he's like, oh, wow, 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 what are you doing, Jesus? is messed up. He says, Peter, look, took him aside and he rebuked Jesus saying, far be it for you, Lord, this shall never happen to you, Right? Like the arrogance, right? Like, do you realize this is Jesus? But we do this still today. We kind of look at Jesus's plans. Like, why, why, wait a second, why did we have to have the fall? Like, why is there sin? Why is there evil in this world? This doesn't make sense to me, God. I mean, why couldn't we just have this perfect place where nothing bad ever happens, right? Uh, what's Nemo's line, right? If, he, if, nothing ever, if nothing happened, then nothing good would happen either, right? But anyway, it's like this crazy like, thing. We, we love to kind of second guess God. But we need to learn to trust him, right? I mean, we know this, but we forget it. Like, God is sovereign. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. And the creation that he created, because he's all-wise, all-knowing, and all-powerful, is the best creation that could have possibly been created. There's no better way like the sin and the evil and the ugliness that we see and the good, this is the perfect, this is the best world that possibly could be made in order to accomplish what Jesus desired to accomplish. The saving of many souls, amen? And so we have to learn how to trust God's strategy. We need to be able to trust God's call. Who he calls where he calls, and when he calls. I found, it interesting, I find it interesting that I think, you know, there are people in our world today, Christians in our world today, 
that have, they feel like they've received the call of salvation, but not the call to ministry. Oftentimes, you know, we, uh, you know, I know when I was younger, this was certainly the case is more so back then than it is maybe today. But, you know, the call to ministry is like this special thing that only a few people get. Like, you know, that, that there's only a select handful of few that God is going to choose to actually be involved in his ministry and in building his kingdom. And so we kind of look at salvation. Well, yeah, I was called and I was saved. You know, everybody, you know, God calls everyone to be saved, but he doesn't call everyone to ministry. I hope you recognize that that's not true, right? Uh, Ephesians 2, 8 through 10, let's read that here. Uh, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not for your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Understand that the call to salvation is a call to ministry as well. If you have been called to bow your knee to Jesus as Lord, then you have been called to join him in his work. Every one of us who are adopted into the family of God have been adopted into the family business. It's our job to join him and whatever he's doing. And what is he doing? He is always building and strengthening his kingdom. So it is not a call just for the few, the ones who happen to be pastors or missionaries. Every one of us have been called to salvation and to ministry. And the call that we receive sometimes is a call to go. Like Matthias. Sometimes we're called to go leave our homes, go somewhere else, go across the seas, go across borders, wherever it may be. God may sometimes call some of us to go, certainly. He doesn't call all of us to go. He calls some of us to go. Others of us, he calls to stay. And we need to trust Matthias was called to go, but Barsabbas was called to stay, to stay right where he was. And we have to understand that God is going to sometimes call us to go out of our comfort zone, but other times he's going to call us to stay in our comfort zone, even though it's the last place we want to be. And this is, I think, the important truth that we find in this passage. First of all, we see that Barsabbas is overlooked. Now, we don't know anything about these guys, and because we don't know anything, that means that I get to make up stuff about them. (laughs) Isn't that cool? And who are you to know whether it's true or not? (laughs) There you go. Go ahead. What facts are you going to show and throw in my face? Oh, that's not who Barsabbas was. Oh, go ahead. Try it. Anyway, so Barsabbas, right? Let's imagine for a moment if he was a human being. He is. Okay, so let's imagine for a moment that Barsabbas... Like, was really like, he'd spent his whole life in preparation for this moment. He had, I mean, he he didn't just start following Jesus at his baptism because he's like, hey, this is cool, my other, you know, everybody else is doing it, why not me, right? No, 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 he's like, I've been waiting for the Messiah my whole life, and I have been knowing that this is what my life is about, and I need to follow him, I need to serve him, I need to care for him, I want to be his disciple, I want to be his apostle, and he's so excited when his name gets drawn out of the hat in this essence by the disciples, he's like, oh my gosh, I got a chance, and then God rejects him. Can you imagine 
maybe the moment for you when you got your hopes up, you were excited, you thought that, you know, God had laid all of these things out for you. You're ready to go. You're ready to step. You're ready to do that great and amazing thing for Jesus. And then all of a sudden, the door closes. I know in my life, I felt a bit like Bersabbas, I think. When I was back in my first church, so I'm currently in TAC. Previously, I was in RAC. Before that, I was in FAC. So fun, isn't that great? Uh, anyway, so Ferndale Alliance Church. And I'd been there for seven or eight years at the time. And, you know, I knew that God had called me to more. And I was so excited about being there, so excited about being involved in ministry. And I was like, Lord, you're just laying this out. It's going to happen. And I started to think that, oh my gosh, this little church that you brought me into, it's, you're going to grow this church. And then I'm going to be able to be a full-time pastor instead of just a part-time guy. And it's going to be great. And I was all excited about it. And I, got, I could see it, how it was all going to work. And every time the church would grow a little bit of numbers, I'm like, here it comes. God's bringing the people. He's going to bring the budget money. It's going to happen. And then all of a sudden it went woof, back down. It would go up and then down, up and down, up and down. And finally I got to a point where I was like, I was just, just done. It's like, what are you doing, God? I, I, I want to live my life for you. I want to do more than just this. I don't want to have to work at the grocery store anymore. I mean, I love groceries. They're great. I love to face them. They're really fun to spill, you know, all these kinds of things. Right? No. I'm done with it. Right? I want more. And he said, no. Not now. Have you been there? Amen. Esther 4, 14. I hope you know the story of Esther woman, young woman, who totally by God's design somehow ended up in the palace, queen in the land. <laughs> and then this tragedy happens and all her people are about to get wiped out. And her uncle is her saying, Look, you need to go talk to the king and, and plead for him. And she's like, you know, actually, I'm really comfortable right here. I don't want to do that, right? I'm a little afraid. I'm a little freaking out. Like, I don't know if that's for me, right? And then this amazing passage, for if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. We so often think we want, I want, I want over there. I want that. I want to go see those things. I want to do those things. I want to be the pastor. I want to be the full-time pastor. I want to be the missionary. I want to go to, I want to get that, that pay raise. I want to get that, you know, a promotion. I want to go to this family. I want to go to this place. I want to get out of this state. I want to get out of that place, whatever. You know, and we always are looking like over there. Some of us are like, you know, someday, maybe over there. Someday when I grow up, when I get this or that, then I can really serve the Lord. No. We serve the Lord right where we're at. Whether we get the promotion or not, whether we ever graduate from high school or college or whatever, we serve the Lord right where we're at. That's what he calls us to. And understand that it's not like, okay, because I didn't, you know, he didn't let me go over here that I don't. No, no. Barsabbas was called to stay. He was called to continue to serve where he was at. 
The tendency is for us to fall into some kind of, you know, depression or envy about other people. Oh, if I was only them, if I only had that, then I could do these great things. Or bitterness. God, you never chose me. I don't know why you always rejected me. Oh my gosh, get out of that. Where you are is where God has you. Purposefully there. And we need to learn to embrace where we're at and to serve where we're at. Because Jesus has perfectly placed you in that space for this time. Stop looking at tomorrow. Stop wanting something more. Just want what he has for you today. Be faithful with where you're at. The amazing thing is in Ferndale, the years of, uh, that I continued in Ferndale, which was several more after that moment in time of crisis, I made friends with a man who is today my best friend. His name is Perry. Had a huge impact on my life, and I've walked through life with him in ways that I just can't imagine uh, that have impacted me. I mean, he's, he's gone through, I've talked about him, but he's a miracle. He's a walking miracle, actually. God's healed him in some amazing ways. Also, during that time, uh, it was the first real time where I heard the voice of the Lord most clearly in my entire life before that time. Uh, I could not believe what God did, but, and, and I've talked about that story before as well. But also, the Lord was still preparing the place that he was going to call me. And our AC wasn't ready for me yet. And so when it was ready for me, then the Lord did actually end up calling me out. But then we have Matthias who is overwhelmed. Again, we don't know anything about Matthias, so let me uh, add, you know, give you a little bit of history about him made up by me. Uh, Matthias was this... Um, <laughs> Matthias with this guy that, you know, was kind of, was kind of going along. I mean, he loved the moment, right? He was with these other hundred guys that were disciples of Jesus. He loved to be with them. It was really fun, you know, kind of seeing everything that's going on. And he had, you know, God gifted him with some great things. And he, he enjoyed being with Jesus. He loved kind of, you know, seeing what was going on and the miracles that were happening and being so close. And then his name gets kind of put out front for this possibility of being elected as a, an apostle. And he's kind of like, oh, I, I don't know, I guess. And he kind of got up in the excitement, but he really didn't want it. He's just like, oh, I don't know that, but nah, they'll, God will never pick me kind of thing. And then God picks him and he's like, all of a sudden, just like, whoa, oh no, 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 no. You know, like Saul, you know, before, you know, he got anointed as king, right? He's hiding in the baggage. Matthias, after he got nominated, he's hiding the baggage afterwards because he is freaking out because he's like, oh my gosh, I can't do this. Lord, there's no way I can be an apostle. There's no way I can ever do anything great for your kingdom. And, And again, we don't know. So maybe the reason we don't know what happened with Matthias, the reason that maybe the reason that we haven't have no record of the impact is because maybe he didn't like maybe he went back home and just kind of like I mean I hope not and I probably not but right I mean maybe it's like he was so overwhelmed by the responsibility and just felt like he was so inadequate for the task that he was freaking out I've talked to you guys several times about me freaking out when God called me to be a lead pastor it's a very similar thing. I was like, no, I don't want to be a part of that. I, no, I'm, I'm very happy, very comfortable with my life as a youth pastor. This works really well for me, all right? I mean, I was coaching in the afternoons, middle school, you know, sports and stuff. I loved it, right? It was great. I mean, my kids were there, right? And we were having a great time. I love my family. I love the Tri-Cities, all right? Okay, Southeast Washington's amazing. I love it, okay? It's still, I still love it. I still love the weather there. I love the community there. I love so much about it. I was very happy to be there. My in-laws were there, and that was great. And... I, I, <laughs> 
everything about Tri-Cities and Richland and RAC. It was a great church. I just wanted to stay. And then God said, no, I, I got something else. And I was like, no, I, I, I don't want to go. I, I, I can't do that. I don't have it in me. I'm not capable. God, do you realize what you're doing? <laughs> have you ever felt that way? Like he's called you to a task that's bigger than what you can do, what you can handle. We must resist the temptation in those times to cling to our comfort. The reality, it comes down to surrender. Mark 8, 35. <clears throat> For whoever, whoever would save his life. will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel will save it. Amen? Amen. Luke kind of goes a little bit further. I think this is an important promise. Luke 18, 29 and 30. And he said to them, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time and in the age to come in eternal life. We need to embrace the change that God sometimes brings. We need to follow him and we need to trust. If God called us to stuff that we could do on our own, it, I mean, we get the glory. May he call all of us to things that are beyond our capability. The amazing thing is our Debbie and I's sacrifice to leave Richland and come to Trinity. You guys are amazing, by the way. We love you. But it's amazing. I, we, we can't believe how God is blessing our like biological family, our kids. My son, praise the Lord, finally is getting married. Oh, thank you, Jesus. That is a miracle right there. I got a grandkid. I've got another grandkid on the way. Woo! My other daughter is pregnant. That's right. Whoop, whoop, whoop. I'm going to be making a trip to Alabama in the fall. So sorry. You guys are going to have to find some other pastor of those couple of weeks. So. Um, but also, we have received this amazing community to do life with. And I tell you, it... <laughs> It's awesome. Uh, Debbie's sister and brother-in-law and my sister have never had kids of their own. And yet Debbie and I are uncle and aunt to a whole lot of kids around here. And it's awesome. So. That's Barsabbas. That's Matthias. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> Write that down in your history books. All right, worship team, actually, why don't you come up? I have a little bit prolonged, or not prolonged, but shorter last point here, but I'll, I'll go ahead and let's come forward, worship team. I, I think at the outset, 
of a book, of the book of Acts. A book that is about joining Jesus as he builds and strengthens his kingdom. I think it makes sense for us to take some time to look at this boring passage. Because in this passage, we, we recognize that we need to surrender to his will. And we need to recognize that all of us are called, whether we're called like Matthias or whether we're called like Barsabbas, we're, we're all called to join Jesus. Join Jesus in building his kingdom, strengthening his kingdom. That's what he's doing. And, and I think we need to, to make that commitment. Again, I, I, when I was in high school, I, I went forward at a conference and to, to be called or commissioned into ministry. And again, old theology or the way we used to think, see things, you know, that was like a call to ministry. So it was just a few people. But, but I think there's too many in this room maybe even that have missed out on being able to, in essence, receive the call to ministry. Maybe you've received the call to salvation. I, many of you, I'm sure, have and are, have already been there. You already bowed your knee to Jesus. But maybe you've never sensed really that God has called you into joining him in what he's doing. And so I think at the outset of this book, we need to make sure that we're ready for what we're going to learn as we go through. Because throughout this book, over and over again, Jesus is calling us to join him in all kinds of different things, crazy things, things that are going to stretch us and go out of our comfort zones. And unless we're committed to join Jesus where he's at and what he's calling us to do, we're going to miss out on those things. What's the point of reading the book of Acts? What's the point of studying? What's the point of preaching it if we're not going to join Jesus when we see him at work around us? And so I want to this morning, I want to call us to make a commitment to join Jesus. Reminded of Joshua 24. After you know, Joshua and the Israelites go through and they take over the promised land and things are kind of starting to settle out, right? And everything's kind of doing okay, right? But there's, there's, some, there's some bad things going on as well. And some idol worship begins to spring up. And so Joshua, at the end of his life, has this amazing you know, sermon, like he's just preaching at the Israelites. And part of that sermon is this very familiar passage. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, Joshua says, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Amen. So today is a time, I think, to submit again to Jesus. It's fitting at the beginning of this book to clean out our ears, if you will. It's fitting for us to realign our priorities. It's fitting for us to remove the distractions. And it's fitting for us to renew our commitment to join Jesus. Some of you in this room may have never received even the call of salvation. My call to you this morning, if that is you, Jesus is calling you right now.
He died on the cross for you. He broke, he had his body broken. He poured out his blood so that he could pay for your sin and so that he could wash you clean. All you need to do is hear his voice, come forward and receive salvation today. Get on your knees, repent of your sin and accept all that Jesus has for you. That's salvation. Others of us have already received salvation but never received the call to ministry. And so for you, the call is simply this. That today you would commit to join Jesus in building and strengthening his kingdom where you are now and wherever he may lead you in the future. Understand that this commitment doesn't have to have emotion to it. Some of us are more emotional than others, and maybe there's something stirring in us and you, and you're feeling a little bit emotional about this. If that's you, praise the Lord, enjoy, take the step that he leads you in. Others of us, maybe there's no emotion in it. But making a commitment doesn't have to have emotion in order for it to be genuine and real and authentic. It's not about an emotional appeal. This is not about trying to conjure up some kind of response. This is about, honestly, where are we at? And are we willing to commit our lives to join Jesus wherever he may lead us and whatever he may be doing. Now, maybe you've already made that commitment before. Praise the Lord if you have. Maybe today is the time to make that recommitment. I'll leave it up to you, where you're at, whatever the Holy Spirit's saying to you in this moment. But as we go into worship, I'm gonna ask before we do that, just for you to show physically your commitment to join Jesus in whatever he's doing and however he leads you by just simply standing with me now. <laughs> Heavenly Father, this is your church these are your people Lord I am not adequate to lead them I can't do it so Lord I ask that you would empower me and that you would empower every one of us today Lord give us whatever it is we need Lord maybe we need to spend some time in confession today. Lord, maybe we need to spend some time in just silent prayer with you, seeking to hear your voice once again. Lord, maybe we need to run out of these doors after the service and go share the love of Jesus with that person that doesn't know you yet. Lord, we want to do what you're calling us to do. We want to join you wherever you're at and wherever you're working wherever you call us to. We want you to be glorified. Yes. Receive our commitment today and Lord, empower us to do whatever it is you call us to do. And Lord, I pray that you would, you would call us to do things that we can't do so that we have to trust you. So we have to wait on you. We have to, we have to be empowered by you. In Jesus' name, amen. Heavenly Father, have your way in us. First Peter 
chapter 2, verses 9 and following, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the world and the Gentiles honorable so that when they, seek, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of his visitation. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, thank you for being here. If you need prayer for healing or for confession or just you're going through something and need somebody to come alongside you in prayer, please come forward. Our prayer team would love to pray for you. The rest of you, if you don't feel that way, we're going to ask you to get some snacks and they're going to be back in here in about 10 or 15 minutes to do the Miracle Mile with uh, Luke and uh,